It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Jula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores. Darnell Nurse. Riley takes the step, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch. And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Live from Ford Hall at Rogers Place for the premiere of Making Coco. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. 7.30 on the big screen, the really big screen inside the hockey rink. Huge crowd expected for this special documentary presentation. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is an awesome film. I, I was lucky enough to see it in advance, and I'm pleased to be joined by the producer of Making Coco, Adam Scorgi. Adam, great to see you again two days in a row. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping your fans aren't getting sick of me already. I don't think so, because this is a, a, a great event, a, a great film, and a, an incredible project. And I, I always uh, introduce you this way as well, because sometimes it, it rings the light bulb for people too. Obviously, you put out Ice Guardians, which has been hugely successful. So this is going to be, what, the third time Making Coco has been shown to a general audience? Yes, we uh, premiered during TIFF in Toronto, uh, and then we did Calgary International Film Festival. And then, as I said when we were on earlier, we were trying to prepare something special for Edmonton, uh, and uh, Oilers Entertainment Group and uh, our team, I believe, came through because... I've never done anything like this before, and uh, my team and I are, as you can probably hear through my enthusiasm <laughs> on things, like we are jumping like little kids to come to this event. So we are very excited for tonight. Well, a large crowd expected, likely to be the largest crowd ever to watch a documentary film in Canada. We, we are putting that out there to be challenged to see if someone can prove us wrong, but we believe that we will have the largest documentary audience in Canadian history. And here's where we're coming with that number. The largest theater at any film festival in Canada is the Roy Thompson in Toronto, which holds 2,600, but normally when they do that during TIFF, they only do uh, like their big opening night movies, like the Magnificent Seven, when Denzel Washington, everybody's there. They don't normally do it for documentaries. So, and I mean, you go even the Eccle Theater at Sundance, that's 1,400. You do the Cannes Palace to Say or whatever at the Cannes Film Festival, that's 23. And we know we're well over 2,500. So I think Edmonton has set a record for a documentary audience and there couldn't be a more deserving person than Grant Fuhr for his story. Are you nervous? I wouldn't say nervous. I'm more excited. I love watching an audience react to my team's work. It is my favorite part of, you know, when, when a team hustles and grinds for a year with the late hours and traveling and being away from your family and trying to get captivating interviews and footage, my favorite part is to celebrate it with your team that's put all this work in with friends and family and get to see the audience's reaction to your film and see them emotionally moved. 
that is my favorite part. So I would say I'm more excited than nervous, but definitely I'm nervous because I want people to like it. I want Grant to be happy with tonight. So there are nerves. I guess it'd be almost like an opening night game for a player, right? We're, we're, we're in our hometown. We want it to be awesome. Well, I don't want to give away what moments it was because I know, you know, lots of people are coming tonight and then we're going to touch on other opportunities to see it. But I, I do want to stress this to people listening. This is not a fanboy film. You are a fan of Grant Fuhrer, but by a fanboy film, I meant this isn't like, hey, here's 90 minutes of why I love this guy and why he's perfect. This is the highs and lows of his career. There is humor. There is victory. There is defeat. There are moments where I felt I was choking up a little bit, and you feel not uncomfortable, but you feel like, okay, they're going there, and I, I'm, I'm going to go on this ride for however long this is going to take in the film. So I, I commend you for doing that. Thank very, you. Very well done. Thank you. Well, that was, um, you know, having been in this business for a while, we talked to Grant early on about that, and I mean, our director, Don Metz, has known Grant for years, so there's an incredible amount of trust, and Grant had seen Ice Guardians and knew a lot of the guys were played or worked with the guys in the film, and, you know, and knew that we had represented their story correctly, so he was really open to sharing and that's why it turned out so good and we were able to go to those places and we talked to Grant early on and said look we can't not talk about the suspension we can't not go there that's what makes great television is that there's try you know there's as Don our director says you know um celebration and, and, and uh, conflict and resolution you have to have all those moments to make a compelling film otherwise it is just that He's an awesome guy. He's an awesome player. He's an awesome player. Like, you got to have those ups and downs, which we did, and Grant really shares himself. As you say, he gets emotional. We've seen several people, men and women, crying in the audience that, you know, in the Toronto screening and the Calgary screening, it gets you, it pulls on the heartstrings, which is what, as a filmmaker, my team and I, we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to make you have an emotional pull and come out of this learning something, feeling something that the movie, re you know, gave you a reaction. So I love to hear that that you yourself got emotional from that. That, that. that lets us know we did our job right. Making Coco at 7.30 tonight here at Rogers Place. Uh, some people already lined up so they get the best possible seats when, they, when the gates open. <laughs> okay, so, uh, I mean, you encourage people to come tonight. People have, have responded. A lot of tickets sold for this, but not everybody can make it tonight, and you have some exciting news about future screenings. Yes, so if you can't make it tonight, it will, um, obviously this is a Rogers project, so it's going to air the TV version, the 48 minutes cut it's going to air on rogers in november i believe it's november 22nd uh but for those local here in edmonton it is going to play at the metro uh for an entire week a full run this qualifies us for the canadian screen awards so we're thrilled it's also going to play at the globe theater in calgary uh a calgary one of the landmark theaters in innisfil wants to run it for a week and then we've got a screening in fort mac on november 10th so it's going to do a little bit of a theatrical run here for a dock before it goes and then if you miss all those and you can't make all those although I hope you do. Uh, in the new years, when it will hit uh, the transactional platforms, VOD, we're still looking to see who might carry it. If uh, you know Netflix, Showtime, or one of those big ones will pick it up for the United States, we don't have that confirmed yet. But I can tell you, sometime in the new year, you will be able to, you know, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon. Right. It'll be available on all those. What platforms. was the process for Ice Guardians? Wasn't it Super Channel, iTunes, then Netflix? Yeah. Well, and Super Channel had the exclusive rights in Canada. Right. 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 So you can only watch it there. They would allow. They did allow us to purchase it on iTunes and stuff in Canada, but not rental. So it all depends. We're still negotiating some of those, but uh, similar with Rogers, right? Where in Canada, you'd be able to purchase it I, and rental. They'll have some exclusive on that, but you will be able to, to download it here.
here um, within the next, like I said, early in the new year is when it should be available. Awesome. Well, I know you'll you'll keep me updated on all that as it goes along, but tonight the the premiere is the big story, so it's going to be at 7.30. Uh, again, people are coming. Can, can people still come up and grab some tickets? I believe there is still, because what they did is like, there's still some other sections they can open, right? They'll open other booths right. a little because they did a configuration on the Sportsnet Lounge side, okay. and it looked beautiful. I haven't even seen it yet. I don't know if you've been in there, but I'm, I, I had some sneak peek photos. We weren't sure if we were allowed to share them on social media yet, and I was trying not to geek out as a fan, but there is still seem to be some tickets. I know I bought some last minute for some media friends that theirs got lost in the mix. There was some. I, I can't see there being many, but uh, there I think there is still a few. So if you want to come tonight, I, I encourage you. This isn't a sales ploy. You can hear the excitement in my voice to watch a film this way in the arena with a legend like Grant and him speaking afterwards with Craig McTavish, Kevin Lowe, and Craig Simpson moderating. Like, I don't know, if you're an Oilers and a hockey fan and you love a great documentary and you have all those guys get to talk about it afterwards, I don't know why you wouldn't pay 20 bucks, especially because all proceeds go to the Edmonton Community Foundation. Like that's a, That is a win-win for everybody. Adam, I'm so happy for you, and I know you're really busy, so thanks a lot for making time for Insights. Of course. It's always great to see you, buddy. Great all to see you, time. too. Thank you for having me on. That is Adam Scorgi. He's the producer of Making Coco. It's getting set to go here at Rogers Place. Of course, we had Grant in uh, with Adam on the Face-Off show yesterday. It was awesome to talk to Grant about this project. So uh, away we go, and you heard Adam outline it about future opportunities to watch Making Coco, including at the Metro, the, well, I still call it the Garneau, but you know what I'm talking about, 109th, 87th Avenue, right by the university. So Making Coco is going to be there from November 2nd to November 9th, and we will have uh, more special guests related to the film and to Grant's career as we uh, move along tonight. We'll talk a little CFL as well with Wally Buono, the head coach of the BC Lions. Well, there is a big one coming up on Friday, Eskimos and Lions, as that playoff battle continues in the West. I'll tell you what, guys, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. I retweeted a post put out by Three Down Nation. That's a, a website that covers the Canadian Football League. And they went into a large variety of CFL playoff scenarios. And uh, the Eskimos, you know, they're in danger of finishing last. They are last right now. They could still finish second and get a home game. Now, several things have to happen, but this Three Down Nation post went through several playoff scenarios, uh, seven of them in all, and they said that's really just the tip of the iceberg. There are more, but you'll see there's uh, some good and some bad for the Eskimos, depending on how they do. Obviously, if they win both of their remaining games, they uh, will be... Uh, in the playoffs. It's just a matter of where exactly they would finish. Okay. NHL tonight. Here's what's going on. Canadians lead the Blues 1-0 early in the second period. The Capitals are up 2-1 on the Rangers. That's also in the second period. Later on, Bruins take on the Flames. And then Boston comes here tomorrow to face your Oilers in their home opener. This is the latest the Oilers have ever played a home opener in a season that wasn't affected by a lockout. So, of course, in those years, they had January home openers. The latest October home opener prior to this year, October 15th. That happened twice in 1986. The Oilers beat the Nordiques 5-2. And for you younger people asking, what's a Nordique? Well, ask your parents. And uh, on in October 15th, 2015, St. Louis beat the Oilers 4-2. I remember covering that game. The Oilers started that season 0-4. One other game coming up tonight, the Islanders take on the Ducks. Baseball playoffs. 
It is the Dodgers leading the Brewers 5-1 in the bottom of the eighth. I uh, stayed up and watched the end of last night's 13-inning marathon. Ended around half past midnight Mountain Time. So the Dodgers trying to go up 3-2 in that series. Red Sox and Astros starting about 20 minutes. Boston up 2-1 in that best of seven. And the Raptors season getting underway tonight. Early second quarter. The Raptors lead the LeBronless Cavaliers. Is LeBronless a word? I think we just made it a word. 31-26. Raptors lead the Cavs. I got to tell you something else. If you are coming to the screening, you got to come up through Fort Hall. So you will see our 630 Chad set up. We got these uh, big blue and black banners everywhere. We have three street team members holding iPads. You can go to them and enter on the iPad to win two tickets to the Oilers home opener tomorrow against Boston. So remember that if you are uh, coming to Rogers Place. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. We're making Coco. Look for our Ched Street team members and enter to win two tickets to tomorrow night's home opener. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Ched. Coming in tonight. 622. I'm live inside Fort Hall this evening. The premiere of Making Coco, the outstanding documentary about Grant Fuhrer, makes its Edmonton premiere at 7.30 tonight. If you are coming past our broadcast location this evening, look for a street team member. They will be wearing 6.30 Ched t-shirts, appropriately enough. And they will be holding iPads, and you can enter to win two tickets to tomorrow's Oilers home opener against the Boston Bruins. Don't know if Drake Kajula is going to play in that home opener. Remember, he got thrown to the ice by Andrew Kopp last night in Winnipeg. Did not practice today, and head coach Todd McClellan pretty much uh, giving us the uh, we'll see when it comes to Kajula possibly playing tomorrow. I can tell you this. I can tell you this, and this is going to make many of you happy. And by the way, you can always reach out by texting 630-630. The open line number is 780-496-0063. Jesse Pugliarvi will be on a line with Leon Dreisaitl tomorrow, at least to start the game against the Boston Bruins. Uh, I know a lot of people think Pugliarvi should be playing with McDavid or Dreisaitl. I think Raddy has that spot for the time being, and I think he deserves it. But uh, the lines at practice today, McDavid, Nuge, and Raddy, as you would expect. Leon with Toby Reeder and Puliyarvi. Now that's with Kajula not available. Strom with Lucic and Yamamoto. And then uh, four guys rotating through on the fourth line. Brodziak, Kara, Chason, and Cassian. Cassian, of course, has been scratched the last two games. Uh, we'll see if he gets reinserted. Uh, if Kajula doesn't play tomorrow, and obviously Chason hasn't played a game at all yet this season. So that's how it looked up front. The Oilers finally got something uh, really strong going, forecheck-wise, offense-wise, in the third period last night in Winnipeg, a game that looked quite hopeless 
really from the beginning. I mean, Adam Lowry comes out, scores twice in the first eight minutes. Uh, the Oilers' third pair of Garrison and Benning struggled. And, I, I mean, look, I, I think Garrison had a really tough game. I mean, Benning was playing catch-up, especially on the second goal after Garrison uh, turned the puck over. He had his ice time limited as the night went on. The Oilers take uh, um, you know, bad penalty, and we've said that in three of their four games this year that they've taken a bad penalty at some point. Too many men. Uh, coaches hate those. I'm sure you all hate those as observers. Those should be uh, avoidable penalties. And yeah, okay, you, you might you might make you, one a year might be forgivable. Well, the forgivable ones quickly used up here for the Edmonton Oilers. But a bad change, and uh, you know they're they're down uh, to start the second period. Winnipeg scores late in the power play. It's four-one, and then. You know, not a lot going on the rest of the second period. The Oilers did have a couple of two-on-ones. McDavid had the puck on one opportunity. Nugent Hopkins had it on the other opportunity, and they both fumbled the puck, both in the same region of the ice. And so they're not able to clock closer and then go into the third. You think, okay, is this third just going to be a formality and the Jets grind the clock down? Well, not at all. Raddy scores early. The Oilers come to life. And finally, you saw some consistent forechecking, pressure, and offensive opportunities from lines other than the McDavid line. And, of course, you know the record that McDavid set. He had a point on each of the Oilers' first nine goals. That's a new NHL record. The old one was seven goals in a row. And uh, that was held by Adam Oates. He set that back in the 80s. So the Oilers get something going, and, uh, you know, the Jets fall back, start to turn it over a little bit themselves, can't get the puck out, and Nurse finishes in overtime. That was the ninth time in Oilers history they have had a three-goal third-period comeback. The last time they did it was a 5-4 shootout win over New Jersey not that long ago, October 7th, 2013. The previous time it happened, January of 1990, beating the LA Kings 7-6. The Oilers did it seven times between 1983 and 1990. They have now done it uh, twice in the last 28 years. Obviously, scoring has dropped off quite a bit uh, in that time, so it's a lot harder to do. But the Oilers pull it out. They come home 2-2 from the road trip. Now Boston tomorrow. Hey, Brian Hall, 65 years in broadcasting. We'll talk a little bit about that as we move along tonight. Live from Fort Hall, Inside Sports on 630 Check. Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Uh, your quarterback feeling better after battling through that illness to beat the Ottawa Red Blacks on Saturday. Eskimos and Lions Friday night, 6 o'clock countdown to kickoff. Game at 8 here on 630 Chet. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Oilers home opener, 530 face-off show. Game at 7 as they take on the Boston Bruins. Already the second and final meeting of the season between those two teams. Last Thursday, Bruins won it 4-1 on home ice. We will have our face-off show and overtime open, live, overtime open line live from uh, Studio 99, which I can see right above uh, Ford Hall. And, of course, people coming in now for the uh, premiere of Making Coco, the outstanding documentary about the uh, life and career of Grant Fuhr, who... Of course, is uh, one of several former Oilers in the Hall of Fame, and I'm pleased to be joined live on Inside Sports by one of Grant's 
former teammates. I know you have another title with the Oilers, but that's what you're going to be tonight. Cause that's right. It's, it's Craig McTavish. Hey, Craig. How are you, Reed? Hi. Yeah, it's an exciting night. I just took a little trip through uh, Studio 99. It was, did you get a chance to go up there? I have not been up there today. I yeah. saw it last week before it was finished. I'm going to be spending a lot of up time up there because we're doing our shows up there. What are your right. impressions? Oh, I thought he'd, uh, Donnie Matz and Bob Nicholson did an unbelievable job with the uh, facility. Donnie's been uh, soliciting Wayne Gretzky memorabilia for uh, for the last uh, month or so, and it's all hanging on the wall up there. But it really, really uh, has a cool vibe and a cool atmosphere up there. But there's lots of Gretzky stuff, and there's even Wayne Gretzky up there. Wayne <laughs> <laughs> He's even there. So, uh, no, it's uh, the first person I ran into when I went up there was uh, Grant Fuhr, and he looked Hollywood. He's got a silver jacket on, and it's like a, uh, I'm sure... Uh, uh, his wife is dressed up tonight, but he looked great. Well, good for Grant to, to be getting this attention. I, I got to watch. I was lucky enough to see uh, Making Coco in advance. And, you know, I, I, was a, I was a kid in the 80s, so I was watching those teams on TV. Not all the games were on, on TV, but all the playoff games were. So I, I saw Grant, a lot of his best performances as an oiler, but my memory was jogged. And, I, I mean, I think the St. Louis Blues might still list him as the starting goalie some nights. <laughs> so, I mean, close to 80 well, games two seasons in a row at St. Louis. Yeah, Mike uh, figured out how to get him fit and keep him fit. And that was give him the net every night, and it worked for everybody. So uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to play on that team. It was an interesting experience for the the, uh, the Oilers that were on that team because there was Charlie Huddy, myself, Wayne Gretzky, uh, and uh, Glenn Anderson and Grant Fuhrer. And so, uh, I mean, it was pretty much uh, our last year or so of playing, so we kind of went out the same way we went into the league. We, <laughs> nobody had their wives or their family there, and it was we were all staying at the hotel in, uh, in Clayton, just outside of St. Louis. It was pretty, it was a fun time, but uh, Fuhrer's, he played spectacularly well that year, uh, as, as he, he, he did mostly, but... Uh, uh, the, then Nick Kiprios took him out in, uh, in the playoff series against Toronto. John Casey went in and played great too, but uh, you know it was unfortunate that Grant went down, but uh, played 75 or so straight starts. Yeah, that was unbelievable. You, you came to Edmonton, obviously, when the team had already sort of risen, and, the, and then they kept winning, but when you came here, you know, Grant was Grant. So when you, when you got to know him and experience him as a teammate, uh, how would you contrast with maybe the experience of being an opponent of the Oilers and Grant? Well, he's just such a spectacular person. Like, he really was a great teammate. And there's, uh, I mean, there were a lot of bodies that came in and out of that locker room over the, the decade that Fierzy was here. And everybody to a man would tell you what a terrific teammate he was. Like, he never had a bad day. He always brought energy to the rink. He had a great uh, infectious enthusiasm for practice. Uh, he'd have something with every player. He'd taunt me if I if he if he uh, stopped me, and many times he did, and uh, vice versa. So there was always an energy, and you came down on him to shoot on him, and it was he he wanted you to beat him. He challenged you to beat him, and uh, I think that really made everybody uh, uh, better. And uh, practice was uh, more fun because of Grant Fuhr and tremendously supportive guy off the ice too as well just a real uh, humble mild-mannered uh, terrific athlete you know I, I i gotta ask you it's 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 a tougher one craig but it, it is a, a big part of the film as well and he and he was suspended 
uh, and he did admit to, to using cocaine. Uh, I, I would call the the procedure used to suspend him absurd by today's standards. Yeah. I, I mean, were you guys aware of that as teammates at the time, where you were kind of like, wait a minute, what, how is this happening to this guy? Yeah, I thought that it was uh, a head-scratching uh process for sure and I would encourage all the listeners out there I could not do the explanation justice that Glenn Sather gave uh, in, in the documentary and I thought he did an unbelievable job uh, frame, framing that whole situation with John Ziegler and and the uh, the punitive measures from the league but uh, you know Glenn really uh, re- really uh, had a good uh, good explanation for that and I thought Grant did too very credible explanation and it just it was just one of those things that uh, that uh, happened unfortunately and uh, Grant got through it uh, pretty unscathed I thought and uh, went on to bigger and better things Craig McTavish joining us on Inside Sports, making Coco Edmonton premiere 7.30 tonight at Rogers Place. I'm set up in Ford Hall, our street team. You can go to them and enter for uh, two tickets to the home opener tomorrow. Uh, Craig, just a couple other quick ones. The, the, uh, sure. the comeback last night, only the ninth time in Oilers history there was a third-period comeback from three or more goals down. There was one in 13-14. All the rest, as you might expect, were between 1983 and 1990. Look, I... I, I fully admit as working as a member of the media sometimes we might overblow certain games or, or want to label something as a turning point maybe we won't know till january yeah. february but at the very least does that have the potential to be a galvanizing moment for the club oh i think wholly absolutely um i think there's a lot of positive energy that can be derived from that game a lot of the younger players were all playing pretty prominent roles at the end and that's a great experience for them and a great confidence builder for them and why are there fluctuations in performance levels from personnel and it's 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 confidence like it really is it sounds i know there are people out there that say confidence isn't a factor but having been a player uh confidence is really everything and uh, you know yourself when you see a, a guy that scores a goal early, his game just changes. He's just better. I was one of them. And uh, most nights when I got one, I got two because you just you're just looking at things from a different lens. And it's it's confidence that you have to build confidence. And obviously, uh, Connor's done a lion a lion's share of the uh, the work for the team so far this year. But uh, last night was a was a uh, real. Uh, real positive springboard we hope to uh, to, to give us uh, the energy that is the lifeblood of success in this league all right and the other stories of uh 630 chad story 65 years in broadcasting today for brian hall so wow we had a, we had a couple ceremonies at work he had a luncheon i didn't get to go to that i was at practice but he's being he's still talking he's, he's, still, 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 going. he's still talking he's still going there and, yeah he's just been a wonderful icon here in uh, sports media for uh for those of us that have been with the Edmonton Oilers for a long time, he's been a tremendous supporter and uh, certainly uh, uh, love running into Brian when it, whenever I get the opportunity and catching up with him. And I mean, I, it keeps him young. He looks terrific and he's got a tremendous energy as we talked about the players. If they could have a, a little bit of Brian's energy, that would uh, do wonders for performance too. But, uh, you know, certainly uh, have really enjoyed uh Brian's uh, perspective on things uh, o- over the years and the energy that he brings to the show. 
Craig, I know you're busy and there's a lot going on tonight. I really appreciate you making time for us. Anytime, Reed. Appreciate the opportunity and uh, it's going to be a great night here and I would encourage all the listeners to get up and uh, have a look at uh, Studio 99. Yeah. It's, it's pretty spectacular. It's a really uh, the Wayne Gretzky uh, Hall of Fame up there. I know uh, Metsy was in Wayne's restaurant and bar in Toronto and was you know, shuffled out of the place because he was loading up on a bunch of pictures and all kinds of memorabilia <laughs> oh, there. But it's all here. The police haven't caught Metsy yet, so he's still up there and having a bit of fun. So everybody should get a look, and hopefully they'll get enough. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Opportunity to get up there and have a look. That's Craig McTavish. I'm Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. And I can tell you the NHL did award the Nuge an assist on McDavid's first goal last night. I know I wrote it down when it happened, but then on the game sheet after the game, it was not there. It has since been added. So Brian Nugent Hopkins, four assists from last night's 5-4 victory over the Winnipeg Jets. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. I'm inside Ford Hall. I see some people doing this right now. You can do it too if you're coming to see Making Cocoa at 730 uh, look for the members of our street team wearing the black 630 Ched t-shirts. Uh, you'll see our large uh, Ched set up here in Fort Hall. And you can enter to win two tickets to the Oilers home opener against Boston tomorrow night. And you can listen to the game on 630 Ched. 530 face-off show. Puck drop at 7. NHL tonight. Boston will play Calgary at 730. The Islanders take on the Ducks at 8. After the second period, the Capitals are up 3-2 on the Rangers. Ovechkin has two, now six on the season. And the Canadians are up 2-1 on the Blues after two. Max Domi gets his first of the season for the Canadians. Baseball playoffs, no score in the first inning between the Red Sox and the Astros. And the Dodgers defeat the Brewers 5-2. So they take a 3-2 lead in that best of seven. NBA opener tonight for the Raptors. The new guy, Kawhi Leonard, has 12 points in the first half, and the Raptors lead Cleveland 60-47. You can text 630-630. Sean, I'm sorry I missed your text when I was talking to Craig McTavish, but uh, he says, Reed, I'm reading a book, The Force about a bad NYPD cop, and there's a bit about the 1994 Stanley Cup where the protagonist says, God bless Craig McTavish. Pretty cool, eh? That is from Sean. Another texter says, Hey, Reed, when do you think Koskinen will get his first start? Well, not tomorrow. They'll, they'll start Talbot on the home opener. Uh, McTavish hasn't tipped his hand to that. I know I asked him about it a couple of days ago when we might see a start. He said soon, but it wouldn't be against the Jets. I don't think it'll be in the home opener. So uh, I guess by process of elimination, are we looking at, could he go Saturday against Nashville? We'll see. I, I would assume he'll get in on this homestand. 
Adam says, hey, Reed, where else are they showing Making Coco? Will it be online? Okay, Adam, I'll tell you this. Uh, I, first of all, remember these dates, and I'm not sure if you live in Edmonton or not, Adam, uh, but it's going to be shown at the Metro C Cinema, so that's the, I still call it the Garneau, 87th Ave, 109th Street, near the university. It's going to be there November 2nd through 9th. And yes, watch for it on your on-demand platforms. And Adam, if you if you want to go back and listen to the first 15 minutes of this show on uh, the Inside Sports podcast or the uh, on-demand page, the Audio Vault on 630Ched.com, Adam Scorgi, the producer of Making Coco, gives you a great rundown of all future opportunities to see Making Coco. You definitely can see it uh, in the near future, so that's pretty cool. Okay, and another texture says, Hey, Reed, Nordiques means northerners. Yes, I... <laughs> Kellen, believe it or not, I did know that when I somewhat sarcastically said that for the younger audience, they should go ask their parents what it means. You knew what that meant. Absolutely. The Nordiques? Come Classic on. logo, an igloo with a hockey stick and a puck. I thought it was an elephant at first. <laughs> no lie. When you, when you were a little kid, you thought it was an elephant. Yep. That's amazing. That I just thought that that's amazing. I just thought that that's what people in that city liked on their logo. Was you know what? Stuff. I could see it. I could see how you could think how like a young Kellen Kennedy mind could think that was an could think that was possibly some sort of an element. Yep. I I, I totally get it. And the I, hockey puck was a barrel, so I thought it was always <laughs> balancing a barrel on its trunk. <laughs> it was balancing a barrel. It wasn't just an elephant. It was a trick elephant. A circus elephant. You didn't think there was any hockey imagery at all. That's incredible. Nope. <laughs> oh, that's a beauty. Well, Kellen, uh, that's 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 good. Uh, Vic says, uh, "Hey, Reed, when you have Ian McLean on, you got to ask him about his massive O line. The Huskies are stacked. Well, we will have Ian McLean." the head coach of the Edmonton Huskies on the show in about half an hour. They have a playoff game uh, coming up on Sunday, and we'll have Wally Buono, head coach of the BC Lions, coming up just after 7 as uh, we broadcast live from Fort Hall. We'll also have Riley Cote on the show as we continue our, our cannabis theme. Riley Cote, former NHLer and a big cannabis activist, ad advocate, so he's going to tell that story. You heard me mention to Craig Metavish today is uh, a big day for Brian Hall for 6.30 Ched as, uh, as it's 65 years in broadcasting for... Uh, I, 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 I am not used to this experience at all. Someone just took a picture of me in a selfie. I don't know why he would do that. I assume he needs a picture for his bathroom. Brian Hall, 65 years in broadcasting. I got to do something really fun with Brian today. I did a Facebook Live with Brian. You can watch the video on uh, the 630 Ched Facebook account. Uh, I think it starts about three and a half minutes in. There's a, there's a graphic up to begin with. So I just got to stand and talk to Brian for several minutes, which I have done a lot of times in my life, but it's different every time. Here's a little teaser from that. Halsey on getting into broadcasting 65 years ago. I went for a reason. I went to because a friend told me that... I, I would be given a newscast to read, and they would play it back for me. So I was naturally inquisitive, saying, I wonder what I sound like coming out of a box. Right. So <laughs> I went down there, and I, I took this so-called audition, and he gave me the newscast, and I read it. When it was all over, he said to me, how would you like a job? I said, what? This was a Friday. <laughs> I said, what? He said, yeah, how would you like a job? And I said... Never, 
when, when would you want me to start? He said, how about Monday? So I got into radio on the Monday, summertime of 1953, and here we are 65 years okay, later. Okay, so as a kid, yeah, yeah. as a kid, were, did you like speaking? Did you like performing? No, did you no, like the news? No, like no. All of, all of that is no. <laughs> all, the only radio I knew or cared about was running home after school when I would be able to, to make sure that I heard the latest adventure with Superman, the Green Hornet, and those shows that were on radio were big time radio shows. There was no TV here. There were only two commercial radio stations, CJCA right. and CFRN. And uh, CKUA was a non-commercial station. So that was it. So I had no intentions of radio, never thought about radio, never gave it one moment's notice, except I was curious, gosh, if they let me hear something, I wonder what I sound like, that's all. And that was the start of it. Uh, that is Brian Hall. Sorry, I was just talking to some uh, listeners who have, have come by. Nice meeting you guys. Enjoy the film. Uh, people, did, you, did you enter the draw? Okay, good. And we got a draw going here for two tickets to the home opener tomorrow. That, that was a little bit for Brian Hall. You can get that full video on the 630 Chet Facebook account. I did a Facebook Live uh, broadcast with him today. And, of course, the video stays up. Bri Brian's amazing. Uh, I mean, 65 years of anything is is pretty incredible he's done i mean i i most associate brian with eskimos play-by-play -play from when i was a kid i think the games were on cjca when i was you know six seven eight years old in the early 80s listening to the eskimos win multiple great cups but i mean you just heard, he has so much energy and so much passion and you just heard the story the way he tells it there the details the 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 energy the way he draws you in i mean brian hall could go to the corner store to buy a loaf of bread and then tell you about it and it would be the most interesting loaf of bread in the world. I mean, he's, he's just incredible. And we celebrate his career, but it's still going. Like, the guy's not finished. He still reads morning sports on Chet. Like, he's coming in at 5.30 in the morning and, and doing sportscasts all the time and, and filling in in the afternoon when he has to and doing so much great stuff. He's just a, a, a honor to, to, to be around and uh, to just bask in his knowledge and experience all the time is really cool. Speaking of knowledge and experience, but this guy is going up against Edmonton, not for it. Wally Buono, head coach of the BC Lions. Remember, this is his final year coaching in the CFL. He's trying to go out with a playoff appearance, trying to go out with one more Grey Cup. Can the Lions do it? We'll find out what's going on with them when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.